oh, you guys are lucky because you'll both be able to get women's ring prices. (laughs) (laughs) So I know I've got these delicate little ladies' hands. Hello, I'm Justin. I'm Mark. We're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Today, we're going to talk about SIDS and ways to prevent it. And um, first, we should get into the updates. So, Mark, you told me that you have some uh, pretty big news today on the update front. Yeah, so last uh, last Tuesday, we went to our supposed last checkup before the planned C-section. I was finally able to go to this one. And so I could actually see the ultrasounded person and be in the room with Moe and the doctor and kind of ask questions through Moe. So that was pretty great. Um, however, our plans kind of changed a little bit. The other day, we got a phone call in the morning, and I guess that somehow the doctor miscalculated when we should be getting the C-section, and we're a week, we had scheduled it a week early. Hmm. So now instead of the 24th being the C-section day, our new day is on the 31st. Oh, wow. Right in under the wire. Yeah. Just changing birthdays all over the place. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> For people who don't know, um, Japan really operates like their uh, school calendars and their fiscal year and like the business hiring schedule. It all starts April 1st. And then right. the last day of that is March 31st. And uh, my wife was saying it's kind of a big deal that you guys are having the C-section, you know, a bit earlier mm. than the actual due date. Your due date would have been in April, meaning yeah. that your kid would have been the oldest kid in the, the year after our kid. But because right. you're getting the C-section a bit earlier in March and now it's literally the cutoff day. Uh, our two kids will be in the same grade uh, and they will both be pretty young. Your kid will be the youngest possible. Yeah, quite possibly the youngest in every class he's in. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that cutoff is really weird because I feel like America, it's kind of a gray area. Like you can be born like any time in the summer and then maybe you're in like the next grade up or down. Yeah, I know, um, at least where I'm from, there was a date, and, and that was the cutoff date, but I bet it varies a lot by school district and, you know, probably by states. So I don't know if there's yeah. a hard and fast America rule, like for many things. I know for me, I I think when I was growing up, I was in Pennsylvania until I was about five, and I started kindergarten there. And then when I moved out to Washington State, I think, in the later half of the the school year, I was still five, but they said maybe, you know, maybe I was a little too young to start kindergarten then. So they had me do it again out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess uh, they don't enforce it too strictly, or if you have a reasoning, then you might um, be able to advance your kid or hold him back one, depending on what the parent wants. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But they definitely don't do that here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all by the book, eh? Yeah. And uh, your kid, I mean the youngest that's kind of cool though he's always going to be overachieving in that way because he's younger than everybody else in his class so he's got to keep up you know Mm -hmm. and if his growth maintains at the rate that it currently is he'll also be the biggest kid in his class (laughs) he'll be the largest (laughs) yeah you've got a recipe for uh i don't know what it is but like a a very strong toddler <laughs> in his daycare <laughs> who's ransacking all the other toddlers. Hopefully That's my not prediction. ransacking. <laughs> I'll try to teach it better. He's using other toddlers <laughs> as his baby dolls, <laughs> carrying them around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he won't know his own strength, that boy. No. But uh, <laughs> interesting. Our C-section date also changed late in the game. They called us yeah. one morning, maybe the week of or week before, Uh, And they said it was just a coronavirus. We have to move doctors around. We've got to change surgery schedules. Mm. And so we need to uh, recalibrate things a bit. And I think we got pushed back by a few days. Yeah, I remember you were saying. But um, clerical error one week later. Yeah. But it's, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You're just like, you're expecting it. I mean, at this point today, we would have been like four days out from a baby in our life. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like another week out. 
and we're just like kind of sitting and like we have all this time that we didn't plan and we're like okay what do we what do we do now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess we just we plan some more <laughs> yeah but it's kind of like a stay of execution you know you've got a few yeah. days left and a little yeah. bit of free time do what you need to do <laughs> uh when it happened to us our uh, due date was toward the end of February. Then they came in with the C-section date that was toward the beginning of February. And then it mm. felt like we lost a month and, you know, it was decided quite late in the game, I think in January at some point. So it was that situation where like, oh yeah, I'm going to have a baby a little over a month from now to suddenly I'm going to have a baby in like two weeks. Oh God. And <laughs> we had to uh, recalibrate and hurry up a few last minute plans. No big crisis or anything, but it was just like mentally jarring, I think. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm ready. I'm like, you. Ne- he needs to get here. Like, let's get on with this life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am glad that the two J-Pops boys will be in the same grade still. Because you're yeah. one day away from mixing up the whole grade schedule. Yeah, hopefully they don't get. mess up another C-section schedule and <laughs> push yeah. us back three days. Or the C-section takes like 20 hours and goes into the next day. Very complicated C-section. I don't think that's possible. Every- I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. The worst doctor ever. He just went home. <laughs> yeah. He was scheduled for a break and he took it. Uh, well, that that is big news. Yeah. And yeah. It is weird when you come to terms with like a birth date and you've got your own plan leading up to the C-section day. And then at the last minute, somebody just calls and says, ah, scrap that, do it a different way now. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes a little like mental revolution to like sort of recalibrate your thinking. Yeah, it's all right, though. 31st, still a good day. Yeah, cool. I like it. I mean, yeah, March 31st, very strong. 31 is a very high number month wise. I guess so. so. There's no fours, so there's nothing negative about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. They do add up to four. So oh, shit. Watch, watch yourself. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of the old thing about like the date of your birth when you are that many years old? That's like your lucky year or something. So I was born on the 19th. So when I was 19 years old, that was supposed to be my lucky year. I was born on the second. So nobody told me that. <laughs> you never heard that. Passed <laughs> you right by. It could no. have been a good year. Who knows? But your kid has to wait till he's 31. <laughs> He'll be a middle-aged man. Like slogging around in some office job. Oh, it's finally my time. Uh, Hopefully he's not. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully I'll teach it better than that. Yeah. Good luck, boy. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, our updates on on our end are going to be a lot less exciting these days. We've got the five-week-old now. That's Um, right. How many weeks is Moe along, by the way, before we move on? Oh, she's 36 and a half. Okay, wow. So she's knocking at the door. She's like yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, we've got the five-week-old baby in the house, and um, it's sort of more of the same. You get into that Groundhog Day routine, and it just goes and goes and goes, and you see him get fatter, and that's pretty much the whole thing. Uh, we did kind of introduce um, guests recently, mm. which you well know because you and your wife were among the first guests that we had over yes Uh, earlier i guess this week yeah so Hmm. impressions of the baby man he's just so boring he doesn't do anything (laughs) he lays around a lot he's slothful lazy (laughs) no dude he's super cute man he's great yeah he's a cute little guy he's honestly one of like the quietest kids i think i've had experience like being around like he's super just chill He'll fuss a little when you need something, but then he's just like back to being like chill baby. Yeah, he is like that most of the time. It's very rare that he'll get fussy for what we consider to be no reason. I'm sure he's got his reasons, but we just don't know Mm. what they are. But today we had um, another couple over, our mutual friends, Joe and Miho. Mm. Uh, They came over to visit the old baby, and um, it was the same. He, When they showed up, he was very chill. They both held him. He fell asleep immediately, slept for like the next two, three hours, nice. and then uh, rustled around a little bit right at the end. But they got the impression that it's so easy, that this little <laughs> boy is just so chill. But all that means is that those are like three fewer hours of sleep he will do tonight when 
we're nodding off and you know it's 2 30 oh, in the morning so we'll have our hands full later but that's how he is he's a chill little boy does he not sleep so well if he sleeps too much during the day then i think what i've read is that a, a newborn which our baby is technically not a newborn anymore i heard the definition of a newborn is up to one month but a oh, relatively okay. newly born child like ours they say they're supposed to go for like 12 even up to 16 hours of sleep a yeah. day like a, like a cat yeah. and um it just depends, you know, he's going to cobble that 12 hours together wherever he likes. And hmm. it's always a little bit dangerous when you have a couple of feedings during the day when he, he drinks milk and then sleeps for three hours and then drinks a bit of milk and sleeps for hmm. three hours. And you're like, oh, I see what's coming. I know what he's got in store for me right. up all night. What does he what does he do when he's up all night then? Is it just like fussing? Uh, it depends on how he feels. If he has a reason to fuss, he will. If he is comfortable, he will lay down and just sort of look around and be content to himself. Oh, okay. And um, I think it's one of those things, actually, that you have to work to not feel negligent about when you just mm. let the kid lay there and be satisfied because you feel like you should always kind of be in his face and, and uh, mm. you know, dealing with him, talking to him, engaging with him. But from what I gather and just my sort of own belief on it is nobody wants that all of their waking hours of the day. Nobody wants someone in their face talking and chattering. Yeah. And that sort well, of thing. I was just thinking like, I like my alone time. <laughs> yeah. So a baby also needs time to like, I don't know if decompress is the word, but just to not be stimulated, you need to have your right. highs and lows. So if he's chilling out, you can just lay him there. And if he's satisfied, he's satisfied and everybody's happy and that's all hmm. good. But sometimes he is just very active, just squirming around and uh, fussy mm. when you put him down. So you'll have to hold on to him for a couple hours. But um, gotcha. it's random every day. It's hard to pin down what his schedule is because he's mm. just up and down all the time. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's a big deal to have the guests. We're trying to get as many people over. It's one of my campaigns as a parent is to get the kid into as many people's arms as possible. So that he f- sort of feels comfortable with a lot of different people. And um, we've had, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, something like that many guests, plus his Mm. grandparents are in and out all the time. So um, we took him around the neighborhood, actually. We knocked on everybody's Mm. door and just showed them the baby because we thought it'll be weird if he's like six months old and they've never seen him, you know, so just (laughs) introduce him. Exchange Some business cards. kid just hits a ball into their yard and they're like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Yeah. <laughs> this English speaking child that's uh, ransacking the neighborhood. Uh, nice. Did I say ransacking earlier? Am I on a ransacking spree? It's ransacked this whole podcast. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's uh, pretty much the whole update for us. Just uh, taking the cool. kid around. We have yet to take him out to a business. Like he's oh. never been to a restaurant or to any sort of shopping or anything like that. And mm. part of the reason for that is that it's just difficult because you have to pack up his whole life and get him in the, um, get him in the car seat and be sure that he's like between his feedings when you want to go and all that sort of stuff. It's just easier to leave him here and then have one parent go run the errands. Yeah. I was curious when you guys were going to start like hustling him around town and stuff like I know you guys are taking him to like doctors and maybe grandparents and stuff, but that's not quite the same as like going to the mall or going over to a different friend's house or whatever. Yeah, we haven't pinned down an exact date and we don't have any research behind it or anything. Um, we have discussed taking him to Curio Cafe, which is oh. our good friend's yeah. uh, coffee shop slash cafe slash restaurant that he and his wife operate. And um, we've talked about taking him there, but, you know, it's just you got to find the right time. And one day we wanted to take him out, but it was raining and we thought, ah, stroller in the rain, all the pain that we have to deal with for that. So, yeah, we just canceled it. But I think we're ready to take him out. It's just a matter of time. Nice. I did want to go back to my update because I totally blew past uh, something that I was supposed to talk about Mm -hmm. in uh, the reasoning why the C-section got changed. Mm-hmm. And it literally just occurred to me mm. <laughs> for, for everybody listening. We're recording this a little bit late at night when my brain doesn't function quite as well as it usually does. <laughs> Mark is an early to bed, early to rise <laughs> lunatic. Yes. So yeah, we said uh, Moe's in her 36th week right now. Uh, originally the doctor had scheduled the C-section for the 37th week, mm-hmm. which 
I guess is too early for a C-section. And that's why she changed it. It wasn't like a clerical error kind of thing. It was more just like, oh, I realized you're not in your 38th week, which is when Mm. you should be getting a C-section. You're too early still. And so she, she changed it to the 38th week. Yes, I believe ours went two weeks and one day before the due date was when it was okay. So it seems yeah. to be right on the money. Good info. All right. Well, then I think it's segment time. We've got one main segment today, and it is SIDS, or Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Mark, do you foresee yourself being worried about this and like leaping up in the night to look at the baby and make sure that he's fine? Yeah, for the next several years, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it's just one of those things where uh, you see him breathing and you see him fine and then you walk away and you're like, what if he just rolled his head and now he can't breathe? And what if I just missed it? And then you go back and look again and he's fine. Particularly, I think the first night we had him or the second night, I was lying in bed and I would just get possessed of the thought, like, I don't know for sure that he is fine right now. And I would just like leap out of bed and go look to be sure. Right. And it's always been okay. Never any close calls or anything. It's just, you know, he's a little healthy organism and he's Mm -hmm. designed to keep living and he keeps doing it. He's very hardy. And I don't think I need to worry so much about it, but I think it's one of those things that parents just naturally do. Mm. The big fear is, SIDS, right? That you just, you know, the kid just stops breathing, um, particularly if you don't notice that he's having trouble breathing or that he stopped breathing and then you're just going about your business. So that's something that I've read a lot about and I thought it was worth looking into and also worth looking into ways to prevent it or at least to take preventative measures to make yourself feel a bit better that you're doing things properly and reducing the risk as much as humanly possible. First of all, uh, SIDS is very like sort of loosely defined. It's not clear exactly what it is. It's probably a combination of a lot of problems. I've got what to expect the first year. This is the completely revised and updated third edition. And on page 270, there's a, a description of SIDS. And I thought I would just read that just for our edification. It says... Mm-hmm. Uh, SIDS most often occurs in babies between one and four months with the vast majority of deaths occurring before six months. So let's call it first six months of the baby's life. Though it was once believed that victims were healthy babies randomly stricken, researchers are now convinced that SIDS babies only appear healthy and actually have some underlying defect or defects that predisposes them to sudden death. One hypothesis is that the control in the brain that is usually alerted when breathing conditions are dangerous, is underdeveloped in these babies. Another theory, SIDS may be caused by a defect in the heart or a faulty gene involved in managing breathing and heart rate. What is known for sure is that SIDS isn't caused by vomiting, choking, or illnesses, nor is it caused by immunizations. So I'm going to take a break from the passage and just point out that last part that like the baby vomiting or choking or just having a cold or something uh, that's not really the root cause, though it may seem like, you know, you worry that the kid's going to throw up in the night or spit up in the night and then choke on it. That's actually right. not likely. And I've seen my own baby spit up and it's quite projectile. And if mm. it's not, then it just sort of drizzles down his cheek and it's not like enough to really cause him damage. Right. They're pretty good at pushing stuff out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's a well-regulated system that the baby has going there. So, you know, if it were a danger, I don't think humans would exist today because babies are going to spit up constantly and yeah. they're going to sleep 12 hours of the day without direct supervision all the time. So none of us would be here if that were the problem. <laughs> But um, I'll pick back up with the reading passage. There is a somewhat higher SIDS risk for preterm or low birth weight babies, as well as for babies of women who had poor antenatal care, I guess prenatal, Mm. and those who smoked during pregnancy. But many risk factors for SIDS are also related to a susceptible baby's environment. They include Mm. tummy sleeping, sleeping on soft or loose bedding, or with pillows or toys, being overheated during sleep, or exposure to tobacco smoke. 
The good news is that these risks can be avoided. In fact, there has been an 81% decrease in the number of SIDS deaths since the Department of Health and other organizations initiated the Back to Sleep campaign in 1991. The back to sleep, obviously, meaning lay your baby on his back to sleep. And yeah, there are a number of ways that you can reduce the risk of SIDS. And I thought we could go through Hmm. those one by one. It's like all of these things are easy and you can do them yourself and they set your mind at ease. Mm. Okay. I'm going to abandon the book for just a second, the what to expect book. And I'm going to switch over to the Mayo Clinic's website. They've got a description of it as well. And then a few tips. Uh, So tip number one on the Mayo Clinic site, just as it said in the book, is the back to sleep idea. Mm. Um, Always, always, always put the kid on his or her back to sleep. I've also read that if your kid is old enough to roll over and your kid generally rolls over and then sleeps, it's like, that's fine. You know, you can deal with that or monitor it as you like. But from the beginning, at least put them on their back. And then if they decide to flip over, then they can flip over. So uh, that's number one. Just always slap them down in the bed on their back. And the place that you're putting them, this is advice number two, keep the crib as bare as possible. So the things to consider here are like pillows. There's no real need for a pillow for a baby. They're good to sleep pillowless. To have sheets or blankets, um, it's not really necessary. All you need is a the baby mattress with a fitted sheet around the baby mattress. Um, So obviously no loose sheets, no like quilts, no blankets, no pillows, nothing around that the baby could put his face in and then not be able to get it back out. So like in getting all the baby stuff and whatnot, they always come with the crib sets Mm -hmm. and it's always this like frilly lining for the crib. And then like there's a actual futon and futon cover. There's a pillow there's like fitted sheet and I think something else I'm missing, but it sounds like the only thing of that you need in the first, like maybe month or two or three is the fitted sheet. Yeah. It appears that way. I've read it um, recommended. I forget if this was the CDC website or maybe the what to expect when you're expecting book, but they said just as much as you can fitted sheet on a simple mattress And in terms of the baby's warmth and temperature control, dress Mm. the baby to suit the room or to suit the environment. Like um, baby clothes aren't a sweatshirt and sweatpants. Baby clothes are often (laughs) like a sort of wrapped up little suit, you know. So kind of swaddle. Yes, a swaddle. And the swaddles can be quite thick sometimes. So the baby's clothes and then those will have Velcro that sort of keep them in place properly. Uh, So that may feel like it's just clothes, but it's actually probably more similar to wrapping them securely in a blanket. Mm-hmm. And then that counts as their blanket and it, it keeps them warm enough. Okay. Another thing is um, you might notice that your baby has cold hands or cold feet. Uh, and then you think, well, it's too cold and I've got to layer them up more. But the thing about the hands and the feet is that with adults as well, those are often just cold. Like your hands yeah. can be cold, but you can be totally comfortable. So they said, especially with a baby, and their wee little circulatory system and like their sort of underdeveloped temperature regulation system, the hands and feet will be cold, but it's an untrustworthy indicator of the actual comfort or Mm -hmm. temperature of the baby. They recommend that you put your hand on the nape of the neck, get a little Mm. bit closer to the core of the baby. And if that's really cold, then you've got problems. Um, But uh, that's where you should uh, check temperature is something like closer to the core of Mm. the baby rather than the extremities. And then use that to judge how much to wrap them up and layer them for the room. Mm. But in general, you'll be fine to, um, you know, just think how you're comfortable and make the baby similarly comfortable in that space. Mm. And the baby can sleep on the bare mattress from that point. One thing that I would caution out of my personal experience is that so many baby wraps and things will have like a cute hood with little Mm -hmm. ears on it, you know, like a little suit. I call it like a bear suit. Like every little Mm -hmm. wrap these days with a hood has little ears. So sometimes the hood, if the baby turns his head left or right, then you've got a face full of hood and that's not Mm -hmm. ideal. So we typically tuck the hood under the baby's head uh, so -hmm. that the hood's not like draped over his head and face. But if you tuck that under, that's never been a problem for us. So that's Mm. one way to go about it. So you get like the warmth of the heavy wrap, but without the the hood danger freaking you out. Hmm. Um, Yeah, the recommendation is 
just as little in the crib as possible. No stuffed animals, even if it looks cute or whatever, just get them out of there unnecessary. And what you don't want is your baby turning his head into a stuffed animal and then can't get his head out of it. And he's like sort of surrounded in cloth and can't breathe properly. Mm-hmm. I should also say that, uh, I do have a few things in the crib and like what you're talking about is uh, like the futon set that comes with a a futon layer. A lot of the trouble here is that we're reading American stuff and I think the futon is not really part of American baby culture, you know? No. So like the Japanese futon set, that top futon blanket is really thick and really heavy. And I think if you lay that blanket up to say the kids like beneath his shoulders, there's no chance that the kid could move that blanket because it's too Mm. fat, too heavy. And the kid can only really turn his head left to right. So if it's under his shoulders, he's not going to get wrapped up in that blanket. But if it is like a wispy little blanket or, um, you know, something lighter that could get caught in his hand and he could pull that up to his face, then that's a danger. But if the thing's Mm. massive, then I I don't think that's too much of an issue. So that might be the dividing line between, um, the Japanese futon set and maybe the American sense of blanketing, but still no pillow. Yeah. No pillow is the, is the way to go. Uh, we touched on this a little bit before in point two, but point three is don't overheat your baby. Mm. And I think this is about, uh, yeah, the body temperature of the baby goes up and then whatever about the system of the body goes into a crisis and then, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. stops breathing because of that. So you've wrapped him up way too much or you've got the heat going too high for what he's wearing. So um, try to maintain like a nice temperature control, which is relatively easy to do because you're in the room too and you know what's comfortable and what's not Mm -hmm. and then dress the baby appropriately. Uh, Number four have your baby sleep in your room Mm. specifically not with you in your bed, but in a bassinet or in a crib Mm. that's also in your room and have this, uh, happen. It says here six months or up to one year, if possible, it's the Mayo clinics recommendation. That's pretty much what I've heard everywhere. Yeah. And that just makes sort of common sense for observation purposes. Or if you hear the baby, you know, make some noise or something like that. You'll, you just have a good chance of noticing it. Hmm. Point number five, breastfeed your baby if possible. Hmm. This is based on just, you know, some bit of research that the Mayo Clinic endorses. And that is that breastfed babies have a slightly lower incidence of um, SIDS. So that's what they say to do. Interesting. Wonder why. And I have no idea why I haven't uh, <laughs> dived into the exact reasoning. Tease. Yeah. Uh, This was recommended also in the what to expect book. So at least from these two sources, they trust the advice. Gotcha. Number six, don't use baby monitors and other commercial devices that claim to reduce the risk of SIDS. Um, Hmm. The Mayo Clinic goes on to say the American Academy of Pediatrics discourages the use of monitors and other devices because of ineffectiveness and safety issues. So Mm. I think what they're driving at is um, there are things like that you can lay under the baby, like a little mat that senses baby movement with an alarm. Yeah. And the alarm will go off. And what I've read about those is that they go off so many times through the night that parents just start to disregard them or that that mat itself may have a cable. And now you've introduced a a mat and a cable into your baby's sleeping environment. And that's just introducing (laughs) risk. So um, for things of this nature, they say just keep away from them. The baby's a a good little healthy system that evolved Mm. over millions of years to survive the night. So just put your trust in that. Yeah, makes sense. Number seven, offer a pacifier. Hmm. While they sleep? It's when you put them down for a nap or to go to bed at night, um, offer them a pacifier at that time. Oh, okay. Again, this is one of those things where the research indicates it, but no one's really sure exactly what's behind it. Uh, They theorize that maybe sucking on the pacifier um, opens certain airways or, uh, you know, babies are right out of the gate. They are ready to drink and breathe at the same time. They have to Mm -hmm. from like minute one of their lives. So if they have a pacifier, then it activates whatever that mechanism is that lets them, you know, suck on something and Mm. breathe simultaneously. And that's like a a good comfort zone for them. So maybe it uh, stimulates it in that way. Uh, It could open the 
breathing passage in some way, the act of sucking, mm. nobody really knows for sure, but um, they have found uh, lower incidence of SIDS when a baby's using a pacifier to sleep, hmm. which is counterintuitive because you think I'm putting something in the kid's mouth and then laying them in the bed, yeah. but apparently it works. And finally, on the Mayo Clinic list, uh, this is point number eight, it says immunize your baby. And uh, they've just made a correlation between babies who have received their vaccines, their immunizations, and lowered incidence of SIDS. Could this be a correlation more about the responsibility of the parents then? Yeah, it, it very well could be. I haven't read the research itself. I haven't like tried to pick it apart, and I don't know if they postulate you know conclusions hmm. like that. But um, I would say that that's always something to consider. Uh, it could also be that um, a kid who's not immunized then is more susceptible to some other illness, and then that illness is maybe mm. even undetected in the kid, right. but he's got some problem that's just beneath the surface, and it's causing a, a bit of a breathing problem or a sickness that you can't see. So it, it could be anything. I'm just speculating, though. And that's all from the Mayo Clinic site, but I wanted to supplement the list a bit with uh, a few more points from the what to expect book. Mm. They also recommend to move a sleeping baby from a swing or a car seat or a sling and put them into the bed. Say the baby falls asleep in the car seat, you pull the car seat into the house and then rather than letting the kid sleep with his head at a crazy angle for the right. next hour or two, then take him out of that car seat and uh, lay him in his flat bed. Well, that just seems nice. I mean, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there is that thing where, you know, he's sleeping and you're like, I just can't wake this kid up right now. I don't want to risk right. it. You know, so <laughs> you just have to bite the bullet and try your best to move him over. Makes sense. Uh, another thing from the What to Expect book, it says consider running a fan. And hmm. this is just purely for air circulation, that there's evidence that um, well circulated air keeps the kid going a bit better than totally still air. Well, I think we can all agree that feels better than a yeah. stagnant room. And you know what this runs up against is, have you ever heard of the thing called Korean fan death? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I, I mean, it sounds like the movie Parasite, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it could be a movie title. It could be a death metal album. Um, <laughs> Korean fan death is... Go look up the Wikipedia page. It's like a legitimate thing. So what happened was quite a while back in South Korea, there was this massive heat wave and uh, people died in the heat wave. That's what happens wow. in a heat wave. Part of the reason that they died was that they, you know, it's so hot, but they didn't have air conditioning, but they thought, well, I'll just turn on my oscillating fan to cool down a bit. And right. the, the fan would, you know, blow in the room, but it's not actually reducing the temperature of the room. And it was this massive heat wave and they overheated anyway and, and passed away. So somehow huh. that idea got deeply confused into the idea that if you sleep with an oscillating fan blowing on you at night, you might die from it. And so <laughs> uh, this uh, like totally mixed up idea uh, then got somehow publicized in Korea and it wow. was like advocated on the news. It was advocated by the government. And then that Korean fan death idea slipped into Japan as well. Wow. But it's it's thoroughly debunked. It's not a real thing. It's just it's Korean fan death. It just caught on and people don't want to risk it. So they don't do it. Huh. I don't know if I've ever heard that. Yeah, it's uh, it's out there. It's a it's a real thing that hopefully is kind of falling away. But it reminds me of this is just a little bit of a Japan thing, but sometimes a an ideal catch on in society um, mm. and it's totally useless, but it just proliferates. I think it happens in all societies, but a couple yeah. of them in Japan that I noticed one is the Korean fan death thing. Another is filling up a uh, water bottle with water and then like filling up dozens of those and lining them around your house to keep cats <laughs> away. <And> yeah. <laughs> have you seen the houses? With just dude, loads and loads of dude, water bottles. everywhere. I, yeah. Yeah. One old lady started doing it and then the rest of them followed. Yeah. It's every other house <laughs> will have like 10 water bottles, just plastic crappy water bottles junking up the whole look of the house. A lot of people don't care about the look of the outside of their house here. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's amazing um, to me. Like I'll drive by some places and I'll be like, wow, that's in America. It would be like, wow, you stay away from those people. Like, yeah. It's uh, 
it's just so common and it's been so thoroughly debunked. They I've seen on Japanese variety shows, they'll set up like a maze of water bottles and put cat food in the middle of it and then release a cat. <laughs> and he just walks through all of them, doesn't care, eats the cat food, lays down, takes a nap, walks away. Yep. But still, uh, well, the, the lady whose house butts up against our house in the back, she puts up water bottles on the half wall that divides our property. And what often happens is that a cat walks along that wall, hits the bottle, and knocks it off into my yard. Then she notices that the bottle's gone, and she fills up another bottle and puts it on the wall. And then a cat Where walks along. Where did she get all these bottles? <laughs> she's, uh, she's an alcoholic, clearly. She drinks booze out of plastic bottles. That's my claim. Um, but the bottles keep falling into my yard, and I was like, this is just a long con of getting me to do your recycling. Because I have right. to walk out <laughs> and collect the bottles that have fallen into my yard. And I just, I'm not going to throw them in her yard. I just empty them out and put them into my recycling. And then she, she keeps them going. I would definitely put them back in her yard. Yeah, just toss them back Not over. even nicely. I would just toss them over. Yeah, th- throw them at her house. <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it just, but it's obviously not doing anything because it's cats knocking the bottles off. Because right. they walk along that wall. I mean, what is, what is the problem? People in this country love cats. So what's the yeah. issue with having cats walking around? I thought that was the thing. That's the way you, what people want here. They want cats, but they want them to stay in their place. Oh, they're, it's a caste system. It's a cat <laughs> system. Cat system. Okay. <laughs> My apologies. Uh, so the Korean fan death thing flies in the face of air circulation, actually keeping a baby a bit healthier in the face of SIDS. So right. that might run into a little bit of a cultural bias and may not take off, at least in this country. But anyway, it is recommended by the What to Expect book. Hmm. Two more recommendations quickly from the What to Expect book. One is no smoking near the baby or near the baby's sleeping area. Obviously, you don't want smoke um, You know, competing with good, clean air for a spot in the baby's lungs. The final bit of advice, if you want to make yourself feel better that you've taken some precautions, you can learn infant CPR. Mm. And then um, you know that you've got that in your back pocket if you notice that something's going awry. I think people should just do this anyway in their life. This should just be like a part of like school or like job training or anything. Learn CPR. It's just good to know. Yeah, CPR at all levels. Learn CPR, learn infant CPR. Um, Maybe... That would be a good thing in school. Like every single semester, you've got to do your CPR training in a class or something. I mean, you've got hundreds of kids around you who are, you know, anything can happen. Somebody should know something. Yeah. I remember in America, I used to do it like at least you had to do a couple of them like every two years and then the other ones every five years. So I was going all the time. I felt like going Mm. into CPR. Yeah, I know a few people in my family have jobs uh, in the child care arena and they have to keep their CPR certification up. So mm. they're on top of it as well, on top of the schedule. Have you looked into getting anything here? I haven't. I don't know what that's like. Um, no idea. They offer they offer some CPR classes in English, but it's really minimal in our area. It's, it's more mm-hmm. so in Tokyo that I've found. But you can do it. I think it's like two or three times a year. Yeah, that sounds very handy. I would be interested in a, like the language barrier would be the thing because you don't want to go right. in and just pretend you're understanding and then right. leave. It would be nice to get the real info. So yeah, an English version of that would be so useful. Mm. That's all I've got on SIDS. It's a heavy topic for sure, but mm. I think it's good to know what they think causes it, what they've identified as contributing factors, and then to take the steps that you can take uh and if you've done these things like it said just the back to sleep campaign uh with a few other initiatives dropped the rate of SIDS by 81 percent so if you're taking active steps then it should be something you worry about less no definitely still gonna worry still gonna worry (laughs) still gonna pop up in the night yeah probably yeah, it is one of those things that uh, it's something that you have to leave at a certain point because you can't conceivably do 24 hours a day staring at the baby's face. And uh, Oh, yeah? Maybe <laughs> the gauntlet <laughs> has been thrown down. 
I'll show Mark you. Accepts the challenge. <laughs> uh, so then you do it for a day or two, and then you're like, well, he seems to be breathing the hundred times that I've checked, so he'll probably be breathing the next hundred times. When I was over and I held your your boy, I was even like just looking at him like, are you still breathing? Like, <laughs> yeah. I still, I had that paranoia then. Like, I can't yeah. imagine, like, after it's my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It is something that I do still check. I still, like, put the finger next to his nose and mouth. Uh, you know, it takes a second. And then, or you just see that his little chest is going up and down and you feel mm. reassured. Um, so it's something worth, I mean, in terms of, like, the time investment it takes to verify it and yeah. the peace of mind that it gives you it's a high like risk reward ratio and you just feel good so it's yeah uh, but it's not something to obsess over at the same time all right well that's all i've got on sids and i think you said that you have a question for you is my question for you is time is now That's perfect. Did that, did that work? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I want my question for you is to be used. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for this? Yes, sir. So you have a five-week-old now. Mm-hmm. You're officially a dad. How do you feel about having a dad bod now? And are you going to lean into it more or kind of rebel against it and try to correct the dad bodness? The dad bod. Um, let's get into my body dysmorphia issues. <laughs> let's, do you have any? Doors off of, I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing is that um, one third of the time, I think that I'm pretty scrawny. And then okay. one third of the time, I think that I'm f- a fatty. And then, <laughs> one, and then one third of the time, I think that I'm totally ripped. <laughs> <laughs> and, and i oscillate through those i just go back and forth through those as the day goes by and i think uh, that's I've, pretty healthy yeah that's good it's better than fixating on just one right on all of them and uh i don't know or maybe i'm normal i'm not sure i just can't get a gauge on my own body you know like sometimes you have a sense of yourself and then you catch yourself in the mirror at an odd angle and you're like i'm grotesque oh yeah no i think you're totally normal yeah, well, then other times you can catch yourself in the mirror and be like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. But your weight's mm. not fluctuating. It's just like how you've caught sight of yourself or in a photograph or something. Yeah. So in terms of dad bod, I can't even say, I don't even know what I look like. I have no sense of myself at all in terms of the dad bod. <laughs> One thing that's way different about me, though, is that since this child has been born, I haven't been on a bicycle at all. Oh, right. Before the child was born, I was on a bike every single day going at least a couple miles. I um, did a massive trip once that was Mm. um, over a thousand kilometers in a couple of weeks. I rode up half of Japan to get to Kanazawa. So I'm a like a real cycling enthusiast. I'm not like a pro or anything, but I do like it. And I spend a lot of time on the bike or I used to. But now it's just I've got to focus my time on the baby and when I have to go out, I can't be lollygagging around on the bike, taking like three times as long to do my errands because I have to right. bike from place to place, or I need to do 10 errands in one trip and I have to carry everything in the car to do it. Hmm. So I became a car driver in the last month and a half. And I'm talking about like the previous 15 years were almost exclusively cycling. Right. So I'm wondering if that's going to take any toll on my dad bod status Um, Hmm. I'm not really against it or like terrified of it. I'm just more going to see what happens and and roll with it. And um, I don't know if I notice that I'm like way out of shape or if I do a medical check every year. And if I've Mm -hmm. like gained a lot for a couple of years in a row, then I might change my tune a little bit. But for right now, it's not on my radar. And weight in general has always really confused me in terms of what weight I'm Mm. supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be working on or looking like or something so i can't i can't even think about it it's too hard but um (laughs) how about you dad bod are you uh are you leaning into the dad bod or what do you think well i'm not a dad yet so technically i've still just got a middle-aged man bod (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy the baby's born and it turns into a dad bod like, and then it's okay. And then it's yeah. acceptable. <laughs> then you're fine. Oh, look at that hot dad and his dad. Bod. 
I definitely have some issues with it. I, gosh, I think just like you, I, I, I don't have the third, third, third. Mine's like fifty percent, maybe sixty percent. I think I'm fat, uh-huh. and then the other. I'll actually I'll say seventy percent. I think I'm fat, and then like maybe thirty percent. I'm like, oh yeah, damn, I'm ripped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's it. I never have that where I think I'm scrawny or thin, especially in Japan where I'm literally uh, twice the size of everybody else. <laughs> yeah. I've got probably stories to back up all three of my perspectives, but the scrawny okay. one, the way that I know I'm scrawny, even among Japanese people, is when my wife and I went to get our wedding rings. Uh, this is 11 years ago now. We hmm. went to a jewelry shop and they were sizing us for rings and they were talking about um, materials and cuts and pricing and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. then the shop staff actually said, oh, you guys are lucky because you'll both be able to get women's ring prices. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I've got these delicate little ladies hands. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> even, and that's in a Japanese jewelry store where they've got the wow. men's prices and the women's prices. And then I come in as a Western, like large <laughs> Western man, stereotypically. And they're like, oh, yeah, you and, you and your little lady fingers. That'll be great. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but that only occupies my thoughts a third of the time. And then I'm off on Just some that other Just one experience. Is that one experience. <laughs> yeah, that really locked it in for me. Uh, good question. I think we can get on into our Japanese. Okay, what have you got for us today, Sensei Justin? Well, um, speaking of delicate little fingers, um, <laughs> the word for today is tsumekiri. And this is a couple of nice words side by side. Uh, kiri, I'm sure you know kiri. It means to yeah. cut something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the verb, but uh, kitty, you'll see cutting, basically. And tsume, T-S-U-M-E, tsume means fingernails or nails in general. Oh. So tsume kitty, it works in a few ways in Japanese. It could be the fingernail cutting or it could be the fingernail clippers themselves. Oh, uh, okay. Both of those would be called tsume kitty. And the reason it's a good uh, baby-related Japanese vocab item is you have to get something to trim your baby's nails and you have to do it. And it's a very delicate operation. So hmm. I don't know if you have this little supply already, but do you have any like nail trimming scissors or anything for the baby? Yeah, we got this little cute set that came with a bunch of like utensils for that kind of stuff. It looks too dangerous for me to operate. So I'm leaving that entirely to Moe. That's good. Just bow out. Just yeah. take yourself out of that equation. Yeah, I saw that and I saw your kid's little fingernails and mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, there's no way. I'm going to cut a finger yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. The kid's so delicate and you, yeah. like on yourself, you can tell if you're going a bit too deep, you can have mm. that sense, you know, but you're, oh, you're fully in charge of somebody else's nails. That's, it's horrifying. But yeah. are your nail clippers like traditional nail clippers that are just very small or are they scissors? Uh, it came with two. One is like a really tiny scissor with like a really tiny scissor end. It's almost microscopic. Mm-hmm. And then one is like a traditional nail clipper that's just like super, super tiny. Okay. We only have the scissors and they're mm. so crazy because the handles need to be operated by an adult. So you've got regular scissor sized handles on one end, but then the blades of the scissor that those handles operates are at maximum, like a centimeter long. You've got these tiny, tiny little blades on massive handles. And, uh, I've done the nail trimming so far. Uh, you, Hmm. the technique is you need to pinch the fingertip and pull it back as much as you can. So like the Mm -hmm. little, you know, the little meat at the end of the fingertip, (laughs) just pull that back, push it down, pull it back as much as you can, and then get in there and give them the slice. Uh, Mm. But still, you feel like you're in the operating theater and you've got the sweat coming down your brow because you don't want to mess that up. Yeah, you need like those jeweler's glasses to come down and then (laughs) just really really focus on that. (laughs) You really do. And another thing, it's um, something that I'm worried about in the back of my mind, but it's been over five weeks now and our kid has had no scrapes, no cuts. We haven't like accidentally bumped his head against something, you know, like none of that's happened at all. Mm. 
And nice. I'm dreading the moment when you we see. inadvertently, like, you know, whack the kid on the side of the head with something, <laughs> or you cut his fingernail a little bit too deep, or if he, like, if it draws blood or something, like, I'm just so afraid of how he's going to cry and make me feel so, so bad for injuring this helpless little creature. Well, I know you've got the the, the blood phobia, the needle phobia. Would, oh, does yeah. that apply to him? Like, if you cut him? My sense of it, if I go deep within myself here i think that i would be overridden by guilt and alarm and a sense of like i have to fix this now and i think Mm. that that would eliminate the um the blood phobia that has made me pass out many 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 times in my life Uh, but i think that it would be overridden that's my sense of myself anyway who knows when the time actually comes but hopefully that'll work out for me (laughs) I think you'll do fine. Japanese of the day. Tsumikiri, it's in the books. Nice. Do you have any dad jokes? I have a couple. Do you have any? Yes, I have two, count them, two dad jokes today. How about you? Yeah, I got two as well. Would you like to start us off? Yes, I will. This is an oldie, but a goodie. Um, Not chess related today, but um, what did the drummer name his twin daughters? No idea. And a one and a two. <laughs> Just let that sit there. Nice. Everybody can soak it up. <laughs> All right. Very what do you good. got for me? Uh, this is a two-parter. Okay. Why is six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. But why did seven, eight, nine? I don't know. Because you're supposed to have three squared meals a day. <laughs> okay okay three <laughs> square i get it i get it oh that's very good that's very good it reminds me of a dad joke this is off the cuff uh off the cuff dad joke but there's something like um why should you never mention the number 288 because it's too gross anyway <laughs> just a little little number humor for everybody nice. Some gentle number humor now we're on to math humor yeah, that's fun. That's how low we've sunk. <laughs> Math jokes. Uh, so how about one more out of you, and then I've got one to cap it off. Okay, this one's not a question answer. Just going to fire this one out. Uh-huh. My girlfriend said she was leaving me because I was pretending to be a transformer. I said, no, wait, I can change. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I respect and I'm it. Done. <laughs> All right. Um, this is the last one. Why did we sell our vacuum cleaner? It sucked. Oh, that's good. The correct answer, <laughs> though, is it was just gathering dust. <laughs> Either answer is acceptable. However, nice. Good run of dad jokes today. I'm half proud of those. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. No Star Wars, so uh, I'll do better next week. No Star Wars, no chess, no NBA. Um, We should say that we just scavenge the internet and find these dad jokes. We're not crafting these all on our own. No, no, definitely not. Credit to the internet where credit is due. That'll do it for us. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today for episode 19. Uh, We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at jpopspodcast or by email at info at We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Later.